Syria. William Denslow reports. According to State Department spokesperson Morgan Ortegas, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has held a call with Iraq's Prime Minister Adil Abdul Mahdi. Ortegas says the US top diplomat made clear that they will defend its people who are in Iraq protecting the country's sovereignty and independence. At least 25 people died on Sunday when the US targeted bases controlled by the militia group Qatar ib Hezbollah. That strike came in response to a rocket attack that killed a US contractor an attack US President Donald Trump says was orchestrated by Iran. William Denzelow, New York. US President Donald Trump says he'll sign a phase one trade deal with China at the White House on the 15th of January. The two countries have been locked in a trade war since 2018. Kevin McAleese has more from Washington. Donald Trump said the phase one deal would be large and comprehensive, although details of the initial agreement between the world's most powerful economies have yet to be made public by either side. According to U.S. officials, though, the initial agreement requires Beijing to buy $200 billion worth of U.S. products over the next two years. It also demands protections against China's forced technology transfers and theft of U.S. intellectual property. In return, the U.S. will ease tariffs on Chinese goods, although $380 billion of those products will still be subject to import duties. Tweeting on Tuesday, Trump suggested he would travel to Beijing in the future as part of talks towards a potential Phase 2 deal, though he didn't say when that might be. Kevin McAleese, Washington. And people around the world are taking part in New Year's Eve celebrations. In Sydney, Australia, the city's world-famous fireworks display went ahead, despite calls for it to be cancelled. Deadly wildfires are burning in many parts of Australia, including coastal areas near Sydney. Meanwhile, as Holly Hudson reports, people in London are also getting ready to usher in 2020. More than 100,000 people have booked to be at Tuesday night's sold-out firework display on the River Thames in the capital, but the Metropolitan Police are urging those without a ticket to watch from home to avoid travel disruption and overcrowding. Across the UK, large firework displays and light shows will take place in cities including Edinburgh, Cardiff, Manchester, Newcastle and Nottingham. In London itself, some 12,000 fireworks are set to be exploded when the clock strikes midnight, 2,000 of which will be from the London Eye. Holly Hudson, London. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I am blessed to be a gun-toting mama, righteously American. I'm also blessed to be back with you today on the last day of this decade. And let me just say to you, yeah, okay, are you ready for 2020? Do you have a 2020 vision? Do you have something that you're just like, this is my decade to do? Have you plans to really connect up to the source and plug yourself into the ultimate power and see what proper prioritization can do for you in the new year and new decade? I certainly am. So I want to talk to you today about Joe Biden, who is a gaff machine, baby. He's a gaff-tastic 
mag- his his gaffes are so regular and so magnificent that you just almost feel like you're like what what more can you do sir how much more can you bring to us sir and um you know what i think he's saying to you he's got a lot more for you he's saying america heck yeah i got a lot for you that's what he's saying so um first of all i want to say hey to everybody who is listening in to the actual podcast which this goes up right after the show so hey 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 to you if you stuck around through all of the different things that we've been going on here that have been going on here you're amazing and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for six months of this journey that we've been on it's been a fun ride if there have been some there's been some problems I'm not gonna lie there have been some days when I've gotten off the air here and I've tried to do stuff on the equipment and I have left this little studio in tears Um, But those are all learning experiences and growth opportunities and still alive. But did you die? No, I didn't. In fact, not only did I not die, but I think I've stretched to the point of um, having grown quite a bit. And so it's it's been such a pleasure. I also want to say thanks to those who are the live stream audience, which I know it has been really difficult because I've been traveling and then also it's the holiday season. So I haven't been here as regular as I was before. This is not a change in my orientation or dedication to the show. It's just that it's been the holidays, and I did get to go to the White House. I got to speak for Bring Our Troops Home. Um, I got to also uh, fill in for almost two straight weeks on WMAL in Washington, D.C., and then on SiriusXM, where I am one of their actual, I'm contracted with them to be a fill-in host. So when they call me, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I, but I don't have to come running because I just walk you know, downstairs from our bedroom and come right into here into the little studio that we have at our house praise God and bam there I am so news and updates for the show I will be filling in next week um have to definitely get a final confirmation on that but they've asked for me to come in next week uh for Larry O'Connor on WMAL and so that will be the show now listen here's the thing um since that show broadcasts during the time that this show would broadcast, I will try to have a little bit of live stream action for you. But the issue is that with the equipment set up the way that I have it set up, where I need to be able to hear them, you also get to hear them. And that's a little uncomfortable because some of what's going on is it's the actual like making of the sausage of the show. I have to do news and weather and all of that for them. When I do their program, I also do news and weather. Um, so it's super fun for me because I get to really stretch and there's no downtime. It's three straight hours of um, glorious activity. Uh, so we'll see what exactly we'll do about that. We'll definitely still have some audio from the fill-in to go into the podcast area. And that'll be good for the podcast listeners, those who are looking for some fresh content every day. And I had some people reach out and say they listen on the way home in the car and they've been like, where are you? And I, I do apologize for that, but I got to fill in and it was so fun. And that's the kind of stuff I have to do, honestly, not just because they pay me to do it, but, but I have to do it because it keeps me fresh for here. Um, getting to fill in on a program with, you know, 10 million listeners um, or an international program like um, Andrew Wilkow's show. We, I don't know how many listeners he has, but I know it's international and people are listening from all over the world, not just in the United States. I have to do that because it keeps me on my toes and helps me to be better at what I do, which we all, that's why people have continuing development. And I kind of consider it to be that for the show. Also, it kind of helps me not to forget where I came from because I was 
a nationally syndicated host over at American Family Radio. And I'm leaving this decade as someone who was, not is. So God is greater than all that. Something fantastic is in store. Today on the program, I have a little bit of audio that I found for you. Uh, the first one we have to get to is really, it's a, it's a, it's a gaffe, but it also shows you where they are, what they think about Americans who work in jobs that they have no identification with. And by they, I mean the Democrats. And by no identification, any kind of labor jobs, any kind of jobs that help this country run, but you're behind the scenes. So if you're a miner, if you're a coal miner, if you, if you work in the mines, if you work in the railroad, if you work in manufacturing, uh, if you work in meat processing, um, if you're the kind of person who you're in some kind of, it's a service-related industry, but it's not front-facing, um, not someone that they're going to unionize, then Democrats really don't have any time for you. They definitely want you to keep doing what you do so they can heat and cool their big mega mansions and you know live the way that they want to live, but they're not interested in hearing you complain if their green energy plans are going to hurt you. What they say is the same thing that had become a meme online, learn to code, and Twitter actually was suspending and eliminating people from the platform for saying learn to code because it became a meme and a joke. Um, but when they make fun of you or give you some harsh reality, then you're just supposed to be like, thank you so much, sir. May I have another? Yes, I will rub the lotion into my skin. Thank you. I'm so grateful. That's how they feel about you. What makes this so um, almost outside of reality for not just for me and I, as a news person I should never be like oh my gosh that's so outside of reality but that's what happens to me sometimes when I look at Joe Biden and I hear what he says I'm like it's it's that one and then the other one for 2019 I, if we were making a list I would say the one for 2019 that really shocked me the most uh, was Nancy Pelosi admitting that the president goaded her and it's not really an admission. It is on her part, but it's not the truth. The president did not goad her into impeaching him, but that's what she believes in her mind. And she admitted it out of her own mouth. There are a few other things like there. There have been some pretty interesting admissions by Democrats like uh, earlier in the year when one of them said they had to impeach the president to prevent him from being reelected. Another one said we've been you know, Pelosi said we have to uh, we we've we've been impeaching him since he got there. This is a slow process. <laughs> it's like okay what so today's stories you can find over at stacyontheright.com if you've not been there recently please go and take a look we are actually putting up content more regularly and by we i mean me and others because i'm in a content partnership and then we have um in addition to the live stream window being there and the chat window being there where all the fun friends are that is also the place, stacyontheright.com, that's the place where you get to access the content and contact me and you have no one in between you. So when I say that, I, what I mean is on Facebook, they've now stopped me from live streaming. I can't live stream over there. So if you're a Facebook user and you're thinking, well, where is she? What's happening? Facebook won't let me live stream over there unless I use my phone. So I can use my phone, but that means you get no audio, you get no show intro. Um, it's just like if I'm out somewhere and I live stream an event, it's just a straight up phone to you type of a, a situation. There's nothing wrong with that, but is that what we've come to like all these years and all this money and equipment and all this training and everything to get to a professionally produced show that I'm live streaming and they've shut me down? Do you think it's a coincidence that they're shutting down a program with a biblical worldview with a very loyal uh, cadre of listeners going into 2020 
it's not a coincidence that I can't get my live stream up on Facebook anymore. So the most important thing for us to do is remember where you can get the content. You can always get it at StacyOnTheRight.com. There's no algorithm or overlord in between you and me. And then the last thing I want to say about that for like, you know, kind of housekeeping type stuff is we had a comment about uh, one of the stories that I posted on Facebook today. It's from my blog. It's a blog that I wrote. And the person said, well, I went there, but there were too many ads, so I couldn't read it. Well, here's the thing. That blog has been going since 2011, I think. Um, and the entire time it's been going, we haven't had ads. So I've been blogging there all that time and posting content for free. And I didn't mind it. I never said anything about it because it was my blog. I started it, and that's the way I wanted it. I had opportunities to advertise. In fact, we did have some radio ads, but they were like banner ads. They were just a clickable link in a picture. It was very simple, and it, when you scroll down, it didn't follow you. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything um, high-tech at all. Um, I never had the Google ads embedded on there until just like three months ago. I think I put them on, and I made like 60 bucks. So – in other words, eight years pretty much of content for free at StacyOnTheRight.com. Now we have ads because I no longer work for a specific company where I get paid every two weeks. I don't have a salary anymore. So we have ads there to support the show as well as the Patreon and the PayPal account, which everyone has been generous and it's been great and I could not be happier with it. But if you say to me that you see too many ads there and that's a turnoff and you can't read it, I'm kind of like, you know, well, do you go to work for free? Like, do you go to your job every day and put in eight or 10 hours plus the travel time and then you don't get a paycheck? So the ads don't pay very much. It's not like you see all those ads on there. It's not like I'm pulling down $100 a click. Like you see, you just scroll by it and I'm automatically getting these huge amounts of money. That's not the way advertising online works. It has to have so many thousands, tens of thousands of impressions before you get paid like a penny. So I have to have ads on there because I'm a business person and I'm doing this. It is, I feel like a mission and a calling for me, but I also need to be paid for my time. That's why there are ads there. Now I know for some people it's a turnoff and they won't be back. And I, to that, I say, God bless you. Eight years for free providing blog content and writing and videos and all of that. Um, on all of these different platforms, on Facebook, I've never made a penny on Facebook, and I've been doing that for the same length of time. An amazing amount of family time and hours of mine have gone into Facebook and not a penny. So if the ads on the blog are too much, you should go back to Facebook where it's free, but you also can't get my live stream there. And you probably who knows how long you'll get anything from me there because their job is to shut down content like mine. And it's my job to have a place where you can always find me that is free from the overlords and their algorithms. And that's StacyOnTheRight.com. I have no hard feelings against it if you just don't want to see the ads, but they're there to stay because we need to make money to cover the cost of running the blog. It actually costs me money to have a blog there. Um, hosting. A whole bunch of other stuff goes into having that there, the design, all that stuff. So that being said, God bless. And I hope you really enjoy the new site because it's beautiful and it's been designed wonderfully. And the content over there is rocking. If you go on there, those are my words. Read the little uh, snarky comments. It's been fantastic. All right. So let's get to what he said. Joe Biden is at a campaign event and the people are sitting in the audience. They almost look afraid to breathe. They're uncomfortable. They're silent. They're not clapping. They're just listening to him. And some of them look confused. 
here he is talking about to to the very people that this legislation would impact what coal miners can do um it's just pretty it's it's astounding take a listen i come from a family where in an area where it's coal mined in scranton anybody could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in the mine sure and hell can learn how to program as well but we don't think of it that way. Even my liberal friends don't. The president asked me to get Detroit out of its problems. Remember, Detroit went bankrupt. And he gave me authority to do whatever I needed to do. So I set up with all. And so we went out and hired this outfit that the major corporations hire and they need IT. They went out into the neighborhoods. They found 54, happened to be all women, not by intention, mostly women of color, with a few exceptions, ages 24 to 20. Yeah, 24 to 52 or 4. They went through a 19-week training program at the community college there, learning how to program. And I remember telling people this, and my liberal friends were saying, you can't expect them to be able to do that. Give me a break. Anybody who can throw coal into a furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. Okay, so there's a lot uh, to unpack there. First of all, he admits on the audio there he admits to these people's faces that when he said black women were learning how to code um the friends were like shocked that black women could learn how to code now that silence you're hearing is me literally allowing that to sink into you because it is confirmation of what i have been saying for the past eight years eight years i've been saying that liberals are the most racist people you're ever going to come across. I would much rather come across some garden variety racist who yelled the N-word at me from out of a truck than I would the pernicious racism of liberals who look at me, see that I'm permanently tanned, and automatically assume that I'm dumber than a bag of rocks and I can't learn anything. Then when they talk to me and I sound like this, they start asking the questions. You know which ones they are. Oh, where do you live? I, I've had I had one more than one liberal ask me, "Do you talk like that all the time?" White liberals, and when you before you even fix your mouth, little haters, to say, "How do you know they were liberals?" Because they've told me. People who say things like that to you are so proud to be liberals. They'll say, "Well, because you know, I only vote for Democrats because I'm not a racist." Republicans are racist. And then I'll say something and they're like, oh, where'd you, where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that? Like all of your life is a learning experience in modern day America because everywhere you look, there's news and information for you to absorb. If you're not constantly learning, I wonder if you even have your eyeballs open or if you've left your house. You can even be learning stuff at your house. If you are observational and your eyeballs open and close, you can be learning stuff at all times. Where'd you learn that? Or who told you that? Who taught you that? And if I say, oh, I read that in a book by Thomas Sowell. Oh, oh, you read it. Yes. Now, I know you're, I mean, you might be sitting there in shock. You might be thinking, you heard what? Somebody said that to you? Yes. Liberals will say that kind of stuff to your face with a straight face. I've already told you all about it, the numerous times I've said, oh, because in book club we read, you're in a book club? <laughs> I'm always like, okay. I'm sitting here with you. We have on the same, like, we are similarly dressed. 
we arrived in vehicles, late model vehicles, similarly, you know, arrived here. I didn't arrive here on the bus. I don't work here. I am not the person who owns this house. I'm not her servant or one of her staff. I just showed up here to attend this event like you did. I'm sitting here speaking the same Queen's English you're speaking, probably a little bit better than you are. And you're asking me how I learned that or who told me that or who taught me something. And then the next word out of your mouth or the previous few words out of your mouth preceding that are that you're a liberal because you're tolerant and you understand the plight of black people in America. But you can't understand that I may have read a few books in my life and know a couple things on my own. That is what I'm talking about when I say the liberals, the, the reason they're constantly tossing the race card, it's, it's a compulsion with them. Before you can even say, hi, my name is, they're like, because you know Donald Trump's such a racist. I've had people, I've been shopping before. This happened to me at a boutique. I went in there to buy a gift. It's near a restaurant that we like to eat at sometimes. And I see it all the time. And I'd been in there before uh, with our daughter and she got in a dress from there. So I had this gift to buy for a lady who was having a big celebration for, you know, 10 years at her work. She's done this amazing job. So we go in there to look for a gift. Um, actually, it wasn't we. It was me. I'm by myself. I go in, and the lady at the front counter, as we're as she's checking me out, she starts talking about the racism of President Trump. And I was like, you think the president's a racist? And she said, of course I do. I, I mean, how could I not? I said, well, I don't, I don't think he's a racist at all. And she was like, you don't? I said, no, I don't. I don't think the president is a racist. She said, well, what about his comments on immigration? I said, he tells the truth about immigration. We have an immigration problem. People shouldn't come to the country illegally. It's unfair to the rest of us. Well, I mean, I understand that, but what about the comments he made about the countries calling them an asshole? I said, are these countries you've ever been to? Well, no. I said, would you go to any of those countries? Well, probably not, but it was, I said, so they probably are asshole countries then, aren't they? She was like, well, I mean, I just don't think it's right to say so. I said, well, I don't have a problem with him telling the truth. And she just, she, I mean, I think she was like, my world is rocked. What do I do with this black person telling me she doesn't think President Trump is a racist? And if it hadn't been so surprising to me that she would bring this up while she was checking me out, I just bought the one thing. And I was thinking to myself, would you have said this to me if I was white and I was buying this thing? You're trying to make friends with me over this purchase by calling the president a racist because I'm permanently tan because I obviously must think he's a racist. When I don't, you just assume because I'm standing here black in America, I must think the president's a racist. And so it just, again, this isn't because I want Democrats to be racist. It's because a lot of them are racist. And it's the worst kind of racism because someone who calls you the N-word out of the back of a truck as they're driving by probably will not be able to negatively impact your life. But someone who's in your circle or works in the same town where you work or maybe, you know, they, they're, they're in your life in some way and they're the kind of person who thinks you're too stupid to accomplish something, they're the ones who'll tell someone else, oh, no, you know, you might not want to ask her because she can't handle this kind of a thing or she wants to volunteer to help lead this. And I mean, how is she going to manage it? That's how they are. So they want to stop opportunities for you. Now, y'all know, I don't believe there's anything that any man can withhold from me. 
if something is taken away from me or if I don't get it and I'm thinking that's what I'm supposed to have, it just means that God has something else for me that is within his plan and that wasn't it. It's not the result of racism or some liberal who's an overlord and can stop me from accomplishing my goals. But you see where I'm going with this. The ones who are trying to stop other people from being able to do what they want to do, it's not it's not just a bunch of white nationalists who are running around doing that. It's liberals. They're doing it too. They think we're idiots. They're the ones who have not just put forward the idea, but enshrined it as a part of America's ethos that black people can't get voter ID. They're the ones who run around saying that we're victims and we need someone to save us. Joe Biden is one of the ones who said they're going to put y'all back in chains back when, you know, he was up for reelection as vice president with Barack Obama as president. It wasn't a white nationalist who said, we're going to put y'all back in chains. It was Joe Biden telling black people, trying to use the same cadence of voice he thinks all black people talk like that. And, and just, just observe, if you're not black and you're around liberals, listen to the way they talk about black people. If either, either they have to be allies because blacks are victims and we need white allies, which is utterly ridiculous and it's racism, or they are just like talking about black people like we can't do stuff. They, they talk down to us. They talk down about us. And take note, and this is not a statement that you have to have so many black friends or there's some quota in America today because there's not. You, we have freedom of association. If you don't know any black people, that is not a crime. But notice how many liberals who claim to be so woke and tolerant don't know any black people. They don't not only just not know them, they work with black people, but they don't invite them over. They don't go out to dinner with them. They don't spend time with them. And if they do, it's all centered around political organizing because they're all working towards the goal of oppressing everybody else. It's not really, I'm not talking about friendship where you share deep, meaningful relationships and your kids play together. God forbid. Okay? So what you heard from him just then was him admitting that liberals hold racist thoughts towards black people and they get shocked when they hear that blacks can do something that and and so that was just a part of what he said now the other thing and we really kind of have to I hate to do this to you but we have to we kind of have to go back he says actually we don't he says that these people who might lose their jobs these coal miners and he's in coal country having this conversation that if you can throw coal into a furnace, which apparently he thinks all coal miners work on the railroad, that's a whole nother conversation, then you can code. Now, I don't know about you, because I used to work in, uh, when I was on active duty in the Air Force, I had to do a lot of um, like database stuff. So we had to use the access database, and we had some other Air Force type databases that we use, used to basically take all of the flight data. So there's all these systems on aircraft, and when they take off and they land each sortie, there would be systems that would break. And so my job was to not only analyze those breaks and then extrapolate them out for trends, but it was also to basically, it was kind of like a catalog that we kept. The crew chiefs would input the breaks into their system, and our system would basically translate that kind of back end that they were using into reportable data that we could then say, wow, are you aware that this particular part on the aircraft has been, it breaks every single time on every plane, this one part, so we're replacing it at a rate of, you know, basically one-to-one. -one. And then we would create those reports and send them over, and the commander would say, oh, wow, 
this is something that deserves a deeper dive. And when we get do the monthly briefing, which I eventually got to do, I would go to the commander and give him the monthly briefing on how many aircraft are ready for mi mission ready, how many of them are persistently broken, uh, how what are the the most the top three breaks? What are the top three breaks on the aircraft? And so, listen, this is the kind of stuff that I remember going to tech school for it. I learned how to do it in technical school, and then I went to my first base, and I still had more training that I had to do on the job, and then extra stuff I had to read at night, and I had to pass tests and stuff to be able to do this work. And it was difficult. Now, there was an offshoot of it that you could get like a little training certification and a little bit of programming, and I never went for it. And my boss was like, you should. You should go for it. It'll take a lot of study and stuff, but it'll make you really valuable in the private sector because coding is the future. This is 20 years ago. And he says, uh, you, should, you should do it. Now, obviously, I had just met my husband, and at the time we were friends, but we're living in Fort Walton Beach, you know, um, on Eglin Air Force Base. We are having so much fun out in the the hinterlands you know and by hinterlands I mean the beach we, we were going to the officers club for the they had a buffet of seafood it was all the crab legs you could eat um we were we were just having fun hanging out with our friends going to the movies doing whatever we wanted and the idea that I was going to do some more schooling after I'd just gotten out of tech school that was my first base I was like oh, I have to think about this later I'm not doing it right now and it turned out that it just wasn't meant to be I ended up Starting to date my husband. We were friends at first. We started dating. And then after that, we ended up getting married about a year. And like it was literally a year and four months after we started dating, we were married. And then we stayed at the base there until the end of my enlistment, my first enlistment. And then he got a job in Illinois and we moved to the Midwest. So I never ended up taking that certification, you know, studying for it and taking it. But way back then, he knew coding was the future. And my boss and Everybody else who encouraged me to do it, they didn't care that I was a black person. It was just that they thought I could actually do the work. I remember flipping through some of the manuals that were in our office that covered that portion and thinking, this is like a whole other language they're talking about me learning. It's all like abbreviations, it looks like, and all in caps. And I'm like, what is this? What are they talking about? My husband knows how to do some coding, and so does our son. And they're both black, by the way, so any of you liberals out there who are listening, get triggered and get wrecked. You know, black people know how to code. Um, and coal miners, some of them probably could be gifted enough to code. But to say that just any old person can code, you know, that's like saying any old person could be a surgeon or any, any old person could be a nurse or any old person could be a pharmacist. Well, if any old person has the wherewithal and the desire to do that, then sure. But to say that people who have been working in coal mining, which is still, you still have to have some skill to be a coal miner, that they're going to just step right out of the coal mines and suddenly go start coding, it's idiotic. And so that's why I called the comments that he's made gaftastic because he doesn't make any sense. People don't just step up out of, you know, 20 or 30 years of being a miner and just go learn to code. It's ridiculous. But it just goes to show you that he doesn't care. So not only is he friends with a lot of racists, and he's a liar because he said Republicans would put uh, black Americans back in chains, and Donald Trump's a Republican. He's the president of the United States, and he hasn't put anybody back in chains. Um, but it's just the idiocy of him continuing with this presidential campaign when we all know that he, he barely has the functioning like ability to finish, finish out thoughts and be able to give a coherent speaking engagement, he just, it's, it's gone. It's like, it's, it's kind of like watching someone 
um, like so slowly spiral out. And it's just ridiculous. But while this is happening and he's giving us all this insight into what the Democrats think about black people and what the Democrats think about coal miners and all that stuff, don't don't miss it. Don't sleep on it. Keep the the truth of what they're saying about the way they think about different groups of Americans. Keep it before you and understand that they're not they're not just these. It, yeah, I call them gaffes, but these are features features of who they are. They're, this is an expositional type of an exercise that we're going through. Don't mistrust what they're saying. It's real. They believe these things about us. Black women, black people, minors, you name it. All beneath them. So, all right, now I want to pivot over to um, the anti-Semitic attacks, which we did discuss yesterday. And uh, so, of course, everyone's trying to blame President Trump for the anti-Semitic attacks. And Secretary Pompeo made some comments in defense of the president, but also to kind of expose the truth about what is going on here. Here he is. President Trump has made a true pillar of America's foreign policy, religious freedom, the right of each of us to practice our faith in the way that we desire to do so. And uh, we work hard at this. We've all observed Christians under threat in the Middle East. Uh, in other parts of the world as well. I've talked at some length about China and how it's persecuting over a million Muslims in Xinjiang province. So the president is aware of the persecution that's going on around the world, and he's also aware of what's going on in New York with the attacks on Jewish families, Jewish people. Um, but the people who've been leveling the attacks are getting released from prison instantly because New York City has some kind of reform bill out that says basically it's a bail reform type package where if you uh, get arrested, you're instantly put back out on the street, even if it's for something violent like attacking someone because of their religion. Now notice these attacks aren't happening to Muslims. They're happening to Jewish people. It's anti-Semitism. And there are stories out there about whenever it's a white nationalist who does the attack on a Jewish person, but if the attacker is black, then they don't publish a story about it. There's a blackout on the information. They just simply don't cover it. It's fascism that they're not covering it, period, that they're not just saying, look, here, here's what's happening. Um, this attacker, the, the alleged attacker is this person, and then just move on to the next story. They're not covering it the way that they would if it was, you know, if every attacker was white, they'd be covering it differently. So, you know, Look at it however you, however you want, but it's, it's not right. It's not equal treatment by the media. Um, so last couple stories for today's show. Um, first of all, you can go find this one over at StacyOnTheRight.com as well. The title of his black radio host hits out at Trump and fails. And this is Charlemagne. He calls himself Charlemagne the God, God being all lowercase. And here's the quote from him. He says, it's not worth it. I don't think that we have gotten to the point in our society where we can take chances on a president who may be putting money in our pockets but rolling back all of our civil rights gains. Now, here's the issue that I have with Charlemagne. As I have listened to him uh, on The Breakfast Club on occasion, I mean, it's not my type of show, but it is a hugely popular morning show in New York, huge audience, millions of listeners, and the guy has an ability to shape conversations with that program. And I do think that, like some of us from the Blacks for Trump advisory board, there are a couple of people on the board who would be perfect 
for a media environment like that, it would be great to see them go on the show. In fact, I'm thinking of Benjamin Irby, who's not on Black Voices for Trump, but Benjamin Irby has been on my Life Is That TV show, and he's a really great commentator. He's young, and he's from Brooklyn, born, raised there, uh, family ties there, generationally. He's a he's a excellent purveyor of true conservatism, and he's young. He's a millennial, and I think he's like 30 years old, if that. So. I'd love to see him go on with Charlemagne the God and have the discussion about this kind of stuff because there's a way for a young person who's a conservative who supports President Trump to have these conversations without it turning into a melee, and I think he could do it. But here's my issue with what Charlemagne said. President Trump hasn't rolled back any civil rights for black people. So if he had, then this would be a valid criticism, but since he hasn't, I'm wondering what he's talking about. So he's just been told, you have to tell black people not to vote for President Trump because the polls are showing that they're swinging his way, and we can't afford that. And so since Charlemagne is rich, because let me just you know clue you in, if you're on a major market radio program in a city with millions of listeners, you are making big bank on the radio. He's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year working on that, if not a million dollars a year. He's really, really raking it in. His show is popular, um, and it's it's it, it doesn't matter what the content is. The point is that the, he's got the, the ears listening to the show. So he can really inoculate himself from the impacts of Democrats being in charge. He can afford to have a driver. He can afford to have um, a really nice place to live, even if the taxes are high, because he it, his income is so large that it doesn't hit him the way it would if you're middle class. So the tax cut, you know, it may not have hit him because the tax cut was mainly for middle income and middle class people. The more money you make, the less impact the tax cut had on you, unless you were a sole proprietor or um, obviously the business tax cut was good for everybody. So he's coming out to say this because it doesn't matter to him who the president is. In fact, It'd be great for him if it's a liberal because it means, you know, the cocktail parties are flowing and they're doing all the command and control stuff. And he doesn't have to worry about it because it, it doesn't impact him. But for the listeners that he has who have seen bonuses and wage increases and opportunities for them to switch jobs, this is a very real decision that has to be made. They need to vote for someone who's going to come in and destroy all the gains the president has made in the economy and thereby destroy some of their livelihood or they can vote for President Trump and hope for, you know, four more years of this kind of economic prosperity so they can cement these gains into their – it's a reality. The longer you are working at a certain level, the more likely it is that you will continue to work at that level or higher. It's just uh, the way it works. So you have to get in there and you have to kind of settle in, right? You, you want to settle in before – you don't want the, the rug to get yanked out from under you before you get a chance to really settle in and make those gains permanent. And so Charlemagne doesn't have to worry about that because he's a radio host. He's going to be a radio host whether Democrats are in charge or whether Republicans are in charge. So he can afford to say anything. And he's been told to say, tell black people don't vote for Trump, and so that's what he's doing. Um, so just know that. And the, I, I, I have some snarky comments over here at StacyOnTheRight.com that you can read. You can also watch the clip from Fox News. I put the video in the post. Um, you can check that out. And by all means, if you do end up heading over, Make a comment on there. We have the Facebook comments plug-in working on the, on the uh, new website. So check it out. Make a comment. Um, 
So the last one I have here, I, and I was really, I saw this and I thought, oh, finally I have proof. So you know how it is in a couple, one part of the couple is always hot and the other one is always cold. That is just, the, I, every couple I know, one is hot, one is cold. I've never met a couple where they're both cold or they're both, you know, overheated. So at our house, we have the same situation going on and I always want it cold at night. And now I have proof. I'm printing this story out. It's from hotair.com. And the link is in the show notes at listen.stacyonright.com. It says, those who sleep in cold environments tend to fare better. The title of it is, Your Bedroom is Too Hot. A study of people with a sleep disorder found that they slept longer in temperatures of 61 degrees Fahrenheit versus 75 degrees. The cold sleepers were also more alert the next morning. The basic physiology is that your body undergoes several changes at night to ease you into sleep. Your core and brain temperatures decrease and both bl blood, uh, blood sugar and heart rate drop. Keeping a bedroom hot essentially fights against this process. Insomnia has been linked to basic malfunctioning of the body's heat regulation cycles, meaning some cases could be a disorder of body temperature. So simply cooling yourself down at night by having the temperature lower in the evening right before bed and then all the way through the night until the morning, and you can set your thermostat to make that change, means you'll sleep better. And you guys better believe it's going to be icy cold tonight. Because I have the, now I have the proof. I have, there's no arguing with me anymore. And that's why I feel like I sleep better when it's really cold. In light of this physiology, sleep experts unanimously suggest keeping your bedroom cooler than the standard daytime temperature of your home. There is no universally accepted temperature that is correct, but various medical entities have suggested ideal temperature ranges. The most common recommendation cited by places like the Cleveland Clinic and National Sleep Foundation is 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit. So they say that within that range... It varies, blah, 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 yada, 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 awesome and excellent. All I got to say about it is, um, oh, this is just too good. <laughs> I'm so ready for it. Ice the room down. I'm ready. I'm ready for the room to be cold because it's the wintertime, so it's easier to do. It's much harder to do it in the summertime when it's hot outside and you're relying on the AC. So, um, yeah, you better believe tonight it's going to be icy cold. So, if you guys, um, oh, I want to say hi to some people who are over here in the, um, the live stream on YouTube. Um, Karen and Vince, um, lots of comments about the SB16 and shadow banning. Lori, thank you guys so much for being in there. Um, Pookie Martinez, hey, happy 2020. Thank you so much. Um, as I close out the show today, I want to have one more subject that I want to go over with you. And that is your vision for 2020. Um, 2020 is upon us. And unlike <clears throat> some years where people have been really negative about going into the next decade, I, I try not to be negative about going into the next decade ever, but you know, some people won't. Um, some people won't have that feeling. They'll be negative. And, and, you know, that's, that's a choice. I want to just say going into it that we can pray, especially tonight, if you're going to one of those people who want, you want to pray the, oh, hey, Doug Poss over on, uh, YouTube as well. If you're one of those people who wants to pray in the new year, um, which I, I encourage you to do, it's, it's actually fun to go over from one year to the next and you're praying. It's, it's great. Um, I just encourage you to maybe consider 
forgiveness. Going into the new year, maybe tonight before you get to praying, you might want to sit down and just say, um, Lord, please bring to my mind who, whoever it is that I have unforgiveness towards in my heart. And this is a regular checkup that we all have to do. I, I have just recently gone through it and I find myself realizing that I'm holding something against people. It's, it's the tiniest stuff, but if you don't pay attention to it, you'll hold on to things against them. And then you just end up being blocked and not getting your prayers answered. So you might want to say, Father, who, who am I holding something against? Who do I have something against? And please help me to see that so I can choose to forgive them, repent, and move forward. And then after you've done that, you know, reconcile with that person. Bring the relationship back to right. And that could be as simple as a text message. Hey, Happy New Year. Haven't spoken to you in a while. I hope all is well. It doesn't mean you have to go to every person that comes to mind and have a big, long heart-to-heart with them and hash out all of the issues because those are usually disappointing conversations. People don't realize they've hurt you. Most people won't acknowledge that they've hurt you or that they've done anything wrong. So the, the real work is done between you and our Heavenly Father. And then going into 2020 with that weight off of your back. You probably don't even realize how much you're carrying around burdens that are blocking you and there's a heaviness and a sense of just almost oppression about what this person or that person has done um, that you need to forgive them for. They're not going to ask you, you know, it's just, you just have to forgive and move on. You just have to let it go. Um, so I just encourage that. And I also encourage for, obviously there is something about goal setting in the new year. There is something about the reset and the beginning of the year and trying to do something different. And so I encourage you to do that. And it doesn't matter if it's that, you know, midway through in June, you've done everything on the list or you've kept every single little thing. Just jump starting something new. You'll be further ahead than if you just say, well, New Year's resolutions don't work, so I'm not doing anything. Right. So it's the attitude that you have. Uh, so I just encourage you to do that. And we will be signing off here in just a second. I'm so glad that I get to do this podcast. I'm so glad that I've still a voice here that I can contribute. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, I think it's pretty fantastic and I'm pretty excited, um, about what the new year is going to bring, which I have no idea what it is flying by the seat of my pants, but it's fun. Um, and for those who are wondering, I did find a flock tree on sale to add to our Christmas tree collection here at this house. And my husband was like, what's this? (laughs) and we were laughing because Christmas I can't believe it's almost over Uh, so God bless you I hope you have a fantastic evening tonight um, celebrating bringing in the new year and I will see you in 2020 my friends 2020 vision 2020 outlook just 2020 everything it's going to be fantastic I'm so excited about it God bless you have a fantastic night tonight be safe And I'll see you in the new year.